When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. This week, the venue for the next America's Cup was decided, but it appears it's not the ideal place as far as Team New Zealand is concerned. New Zealand football sets out its plan for the future. Heavyweight boxer Joseph Parker has his next bout on the road to the big time. We catch up with Silver Ferns captain Casey Corpua as she continues her recovery from a major injury. And one of our top swimmers is recognised for her efforts out of the pool. The North Atlantic island of Bermuda was this week chosen as the venue for the 2017 America's Cup. Team New Zealand had preferred San Diego as it represented better opportunities for its sponsors and New Zealand. Their participation is dependent on funding and how much the New Zealand government may be willing to help out with. The AP journalist Bernie Wilson has been following the developments leading up to the announcement and he wasn't surprised that Bermuda was chosen. They've told journalists ever since uh, Watergate, follow the money. You know, obviously, Coots and Ellison um, weren't happy with uh, what they got out of the offer from San Francisco to return. And so then Coots started a year-long coast-to-coast search. And, you know, in San Diego, they were dealing with the city government and the port commission that gave them an offer and stood firm as opposed to a small island nation with one government and a bunch of wealthy individuals. I mean, the the critical point about today's press conference is not one word of Bermuda's offer was uttered. Um, That's because they're still apparently working on legislation that will be announced December 12th, uh, the America's Cup Act, per se. So, you know, the America's Cup's an expensive endeavor. They want to make money off of it. So, you know, you you got to push the sailing conditions to a little farther down on the list and, you know, consider the money. They have yet to announce one major sponsor that's that's going to pony up money. They've mentioned some technology sponsors for Team Oracle Team USA, but Zip for uh, the, the actual event itself. Have you heard from San Diego? What's be the reaction there? Did they have any realistic expectation that they might have still been in the running? In the end, uh, the words mentioned around here were, you know, we lost to a tax haven. Um, the the America's Cup people wanted 10,000 free hotel room nights in San Diego, and officials here scoffed at that. Um, but one one guy I talked to today, a guy named Troy Sears, he runs a charter boat company, congratulated Bermuda and said the, there were, you know, people have mentioned tax advantages in Bermuda, but California is a difficult state as far as taxes and regulations. Meanwhile, the Economic Development Minister Stephen Joyce was asked about his reaction to the America's Cup being held in Bermuda. Well, it's pretty much as we've been led to expect over the last uh, week or two, with the additional element being what actually happens in Auckland. I don't think that's clear yet in terms of what they're proposing. But yep, it's Bermuda. 
Bermuda, as I've said, is more challenging for the benefit for New Zealand from that because it's not the west coast of the US, which is where we're putting in quite a lot of effort for our companies. So that's a count against it, but we don't yet know what's actually planned for Auckland and whether that makes any difference to the calculation of support. So what's the government's enthusiasm in terms of funding this event? Our preference is always that other other people, the private sector funds it, but obviously we know that's been difficult for the last couple of challenges. Uh, and this one, as I say, Bermuda makes it harder, and I don't have any change of view on that. Uh, the only question really is uh, what's the real proposal in regards to Auckland, and does that uh, make it any more um, useful from the point of view of treating it as a sponsorship? Because I don't think New Zealanders, in a general view, would be happy for us to spend lots of money on just on it because it's a sport. They'd want to see quite a lot of benefit to New Zealand and New Zealand exporters out of out of it, and that's the bit that we've got to get our heads around in terms of what's happening in Auckland. Okay, we'll move on to Auckland uh, in a second because uh, not all listeners will be aware of what that Auckland element is. Well, but, I'm not yet either. I uh, mean, I've no. been told that they are considering uh, running a couple of Challenger series, obviously not the whole Challenger series in Auckland because they are also talking of having all the uh, challenges in, uh, in Bermuda uh, together. So uh, the details of that still, frankly, have to be, have to be laid out. But are you saying that if it was Bermuda alone and there wasn't an opportunity to host a regatta in, what, late um, 2015 or possibly late 2016 in Auckland, if it was Bermuda alone, it's a no-go for the government? No, not not saying that finally. What I've said all the way through is we need to find out uh, what the venue is. We then need to receive the proposal. My understanding is they've been working on two proposals, one for Bermuda, one for uh, San Diego, uh, they'll submit the Bermuda proposal with any additional elements that we've talked about and then we'll make a call. Uh, but I've been pretty clear that it's less, um, it's, it's, it's less exciting uh, for, and less benefit for New Zealand if it isn't Bermuda, and that stands. Guy on Espiner also spoke to Team New Zealand boss Grant Dalton and asked him how much money he needed to mount a challenge. We need the budget that we've set is, is identical to the budget that we used for San Francisco. So uh, that's north of a hundred million, but you know, in that it's in that vicinity. How much money do you need from the government? What are you asking them for? Well, we've got a business plan. We had two business plans, and now we've got one, and we'll put them uh, put that to them. It'll go to them in the next couple of days. They'll assess it and make a decision. But a key point is that they want to be treated as a sponsor to be able to assess it as a return on investment. And, well, we spoke uh, to Stephen Joyce this morning. He did him. not seem enthusiastic at all about putting public money in. Well, that's, they'll have to assess that and make a decision, and they'll let us know. Hopefully it won't take too long. So why should the taxpayers, and that is you know, the cleaners, the panel beaters, the teachers, the nurses, why should they pay for Team New Zealand to go to an island tax haven and compete in this? Well, just let me just, because I know I've been to the first person that's asked this question about tax havens, so I just want to talk a bit about that first of all. And the first point is whether it's a tax haven or whatever the heck it is, part of the Bermuda Triangle, that has no bearing on, on this organisation. This is a New Zealand-based company with New Zealand-based employees who will go to the venue, whether it's Bermuda or um, Timbuktu, close to the start of the America's Cup to be based. So, so its status in that respect is nothing, is no bearing on this place. We pay our GST, we pay our POI, we live in this we live in this country. So, so, I, I you know maybe that's got some benefit for another team. I haven't been able to define that, and I'm not. It's of no interest to, to us at all. The the numbers um, 
the economic numbers that PwC has put together that will go to the government. As I say, they want to be treated as a sponsor. They will assess it and make their own decisions. And not dissimilar to um, to San Francisco, but but for sure it isn't as attractive from a hosting point of view for some, well, not the sponsors, but the um, minister has said from, uh, from the government's point of view, and they'll assess it and they'll get back to us on that. Okay. One of the things that was buried in that announcement today um, in words was that this organisation, Emirates Team New Zealand, and the event authority are in discussion for an event or events, one of which may be of significant uh, of significance for New Zealand, and that will develop quickly. It is developing very, very quickly. So this Hopefully is a bit we'll to be part of the, uh, the 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 pre-cup um, World Series, if you like. Is it to to host uh, part of that in Auckland? Well, there's, there's different parts that it could be, but it's, as I say, it's a, it's a it's a, a delicate part of its negotiation. I don't want to preempt any of that, but certainly. As, as the preeminent country um, of the America's Cup and a, and a country that understands it more than any other country in the world, bringing racing here, uh, which wouldn't be able to happen um, without this organisation's existence, uh, I think is quite a big, you know, is a pretty big draw card. I mean, it'd be amazing racing um, again, uh, America's Cup type boats out, out in, the, in the Haraki Gulf, or actually inside the Haraki Gulf, more in the North Head area. That's Grant Dalton. And you're listening to Extra Time. New Zealand football has unveiled its new high-performance plan aimed at boosting the competitiveness of national teams on the world stage. The strategy includes plans for changes to the National League, a new base for football and more matches for the men's and women's national sides. The Chief Executive Andy Martin says it's the most important body of work ever completed by the organisation and he hopes it will allow the national teams to win at World Cups and Olympic Games. Alex Coogan-Reeves spoke to Martin at the launch, who says an expanded National League is crucial to raising the profile of the game in New Zealand. If we get this right, there's got to be a sense of tribalism coming in. And, and we see it in other sports where if you connect with the local community properly, people want to be a part of it. Every player has got a family and every family's got you know, other family and they all want to see their people do very well. So we've got to connect it better. Um, but right now we're in a very early stage in terms of designing what this competition might look like, what the infrastructure might look like. Um, and one of the key stakeholders today is the broadcasters. So we know that our product's got to be TV friendly. Um, we know people are desperately keen to see football on TV and, and we don't see much today. So having someone like Sky alongside us on day one is critical. They are with us and they're influencing what we might do. So that's, that's a great start for us. When we're talking about revenues and talking about these new facilities we want, obviously these things aren't paying for themselves. Do you feel like now you've got something that you can go out and go to government and high-performance sport and, say, and to private investors and say, this is what we've got, <laughs> now can you help us? Um, well, I hope so. I mean, this is all about making us a credible bet. And, you know, people invest in things that they believe in and think can be successful. Um, people invest in people. Um, so I think what we're trying to put across there is we've got a great leadership group here now. Um, we've got a great plan. Um, we're making great progress. But look what else could happen and come and get involved. And whether that's government, whether it's private investors, um, hopefully people see us as credible and want a piece of what's going on. And presumably you've already sort of got those talks underway and you, you've got a few things on the 
on the go? Uh, absolutely. We've been making a nuisance of ourselves over the last six months, uh, pushing this story, pushing this, and you know, slowly, slowly, people will start to see just what the potential is. Um, so it's exciting times. And it was touched on uh, in the discussion earlier just about the All Whites being that shop window and being able to play games in New Zealand, and obviously there's great um, challenges in that. Do, do, is this sort of the plan to sort of work with Australia a bit more and try and create something there so that we can, we can see your, your, I guess your showpiece at home more often? Yeah, I mean, look, we all want to see the All Whites at home as much as possible. There's there's no, no 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 question of that. But then there's other things that we need to consider. So, you know, Anthony wants to play top quality competition regularly. He wants to create the environment of what that playoff match might be in Asia. So that's important for us. Um, but similarly, we want to make sure that the public in New Zealand are seeing the product as often as possible. So it's a challenge we're working through with the fixture list. We know sort of towards the back end of 2015 there will be the All Whites at home, there will be games absolutely at home. Um, and if we can do any more, we will do. But right now it's putting together a programme that works for everybody over a four-year period. Do you think that the All Whites at home has kind of been damaged in the past, I guess, by by when, when you have got games when South Africa come here or I think Jamaica a couple of years ago that there haven't been big crowds or enough to justify against possibly getting a better game by going somewhere else? Well I think this is why the, the, the focus now is not just on the All Whites it's saying there's the Ferns who are a very very positive team you know they're credible in the world rankings um, but also about the national products you know and the, the domestic leagues because we want people connected with football more you get that connection right then of course when the big games happen whether the Phoenix are playing or the All Whites are playing there's more football engaged people who go to the games as I said earlier if you expect people to go and watch your product that's a one-off all the time very difficult to get the engagement and obviously with the under 20 World Cup here you'll be looking to leverage um, hopefully a bit of excitement around football as much as possible yeah it's, look it's a great op- as a snowball yeah it's a great opportunity for us to show to the non footballing public of New Zealand just how big this sport is and there'll be you know the, the footballing world will land in New Zealand uh, FIFA will be around all the countries will come it'll be a great event and it's important we leverage that to make sure it just reinforces the message you've heard today Andy Martin from Football New Zealand the New Zealand heavyweight boxer Joseph Parker says he will face the toughest test of his career when he comes up against the Brazilian Irino Biato Costa Jr. at the fight for life in Hamilton this weekend Costa Jr. is a knockout specialist with 13 of his 15 wins not going the distance and Parker knows his power firsthand, having sparred with him last year. It's also an adjustment for Parker having to fight someone who he doesn't have a significant height advantage over. He spoke to reporters about his opponent. Definitely a big guy and he's got some good size on him. So now I've studied his uh, videos and uh, I've just got to be on, be on focus now. These next three days are crucial because I just have to focus and mentally prepare myself and and keep sharp, keep eating healthy so the abs can pop out on fight night. But he definitely looks like he's in good shape and he's here to fight, so that's the main thing. There's been all this talk of the sparring session you had with him last year. What what are your memories of how that went? The only thing I can remember was that we were wearing big gloves and and it was a good sparring session. And he he caught me with a good shot, good right hand, which, you know, um, I felt. And uh, so I know we've we've both been developing as fighters. And uh, and it's been a year now since we sparred, so it's it's going to be interesting to see the improvement on both sides, you know. I think I've improved a lot, and I I know that he's improved as well with the fights that he's had. So it's uh, it's not going to be sparring gloves now, it's going to be smaller gloves. So Kevin's been reminding me to keep up my left hand and and cover my face because I tend to drop it sometimes. Will he he be the hardest opponent that you've faced? Uh, He's the highest ranked, 
I think, is he? Or, and, but he definitely will be probably the hardest because he hits hard and he's you know, my height. So the other guys I fought, you know, were a lot shorter. Even though they're experienced and strong, they're a lot shorter. But, so this, this is going to be a different challenge for me, fighting someone like my height and I'm trying to adjust my punches, you know, punch upwards instead of downwards. How easy is that adjustment, uh, having to go against a fighter that's of similar size to you? Uh, we we have to we uh, sort of tweak the training a bit and uh, some of the techniques and skills that we've been lear- uh, learning and working on, like punching upwards and uh, being able to sort of. I'm just changing up for the combinations because with a shorter person you're always punching downwards and but the aim is different. But with a taller person you're, you're aiming somewhere else because you know he's up there. So Kevin and yourself both described it as like end of year exam sort of thing. Does it feel like that in a way to you? Oh, it definitely does. Like you know I've had all these tests throughout the year with all the other opponents. And they've been great opponents and good opposition, but you know, with this fight, it's going to be like the the main end of the year. You know, this is the exam where we have to try and nail it. And we're, we're trying to pass this exam, and after we pass this exam, hopefully, we're going to go on holiday and, and relax. Got any plan for holiday? I'm taking my parents and my sisters back to Samoa. We're going to go have some beautiful mangoes, drink some coconuts, and enjoy ourselves after this fight. You haven't had long to prepare for this fight, and fighting someone that is so dangerous. Do you feel like it is a bit of a danger fight? If your focus isn't isn't quite there. Oh, you know, if your focus is, is there, it's always going to be a dangerous fight, and every fight is a dangerous fight. You know, one punch can change anything in the heavyweight division. So um, I'm focused. You know, it hasn't been a long training camp, but it's good to uh, you know, train throughout the whole year, fighting you know, um, more and more because you know, I've, I've been I've been able to keep in shape. I haven't I haven't been able to eat a lot of pies. You know, I've been eating healthy salads and kumra and chicken. So. I've been keeping in shape and I'm going to maintain it for the next three days so um, and I can look good fight night and perform good. <laughs> How, how's the body feeling? Because you've had, what, is this your fifth fight in about seven months? Yeah. It's quite an intense schedule. You're not feeling battered and beat up? Oh, it's definitely been intense, but, you know, I've, I felt a little, like, little niggles here and there and we've got it taken care of. You know, you've gone to the specialist and uh, they always look at it and, and take care of it. But um, you know, it comes down to the busy year that we've had. You know, hitting the gym, it's like I'm living in the gym now, so living in the gym, eating, living in the gym. So that, that, that sort of caused me to have a few injuries, but yeah, um, after this fight, we're going to have a bit of a break and, and let the body recover. And then uh, hopefully next year, carry on for another intense uh, year. Are you likely to have the same number of fights next year, similar workload? Uh, yeah, we're, we're looking at having five or six fights. So it, it comes down to um, this performance. If I uh, perform well, we're going to sit down and, and talk about you know, moving up. But if I don't do well, then we're going to sit down and talk about how I'm going to you know, build myself up again because it's going to set me back. This is extra time. The New Zealand netball captain Casey Corpora is doing everything in her power to get herself back on the court in time for next year's World Championships. Corpora suffered a gruesome knee injury in the Constellation Cup test in October and was expected to be out of action for up to nine months. The 29-year-old is undergoing an intensive rehabilitation process as she tries to reclaim her place in the Silver Fern squad for August's Netball World Cup. Alex Coogan-Reeves spoke to her about how her recovery is going. Certainly has its ups and downs, and I guess there's, there seems to be more good days than bad days at the moment. Um, but you know the weather helps, being sunny. Um, but yeah, I still go to rehab uh, every day and, and get tortured, as, as we call it. <laughs> How much at the moment do you remember about the injury happening and and what it was like at the time? Still pretty uh, fresh and clear in my mind what it felt like sort of what happened and how it feels and I, I tend to sometimes remember that so that I don't you know so I keep my motivation um, and I stay positive about things. Is it hard for you to think about? In a weird way 
I kind of like, like I like watching um, those things sorts of happen or, you know, before I had the surgery, I went on YouTube and, um, you know, so I know what's happening to me. So I watched the operation before I went in. So I don't find it too hard. It's more just more, I use it as motivation. Have you watched the TV coverage of it happening or not? Yes, I have. Yep. Was that tough or what was your reaction to watching that? Yeah, maybe after about the fifth or sixth time I watched it, I thought that was enough of that. I don't need to see that anymore. And obviously when you went down, it was an extremely painful experience. At the time, were you just thinking, this is really sore, or were you thinking about what the injury might mean in terms of obviously going to be out of the game for a while, the World Cup's coming up? Did, how long did it take for that sort to sink in? Like initially, I was thinking of pain, and, you know, there was probably words going through my mind that I can't say, you know, of how I was feeling. And sort of once we sort of got out the back and into the change room, then I realised um, the, the doctor and the physio told me that this isn't just a, you know, a couple of weeks thing. This is a six to nine months uh, injury, which sort of been hit home and things start going through your mind of, you know, what you're going to miss out on or how hard the road is going to be to get back to being what I was. You talked about your rehab and things like that. Are there sort of milestones that you're ticking off as you try and uh, come back from this? Yeah, we set goals each week. Obviously, there's a six to nine month plan, but we go weekly with goals. So then I know that I'm on um, target and reaching those certain things that I need to do and achieve. And so far, I've done that. So some days, like, they don't get better, but they stay the same, which is better than getting worse. So each little thing, it's funny, you start to celebrate the small things of you know, maybe being able to walk 100 metres more than, than I could before. And when you're not rehabbing, how, how are you fill, filling your time? Obviously, you've probably got more spare time than you used to. I do. I've um, become a bit of a, a housewife. <laughs> but just actually having the time to, you know, take care of our, our family home, um, do the gardening and that sort of stuff, and becoming a bit of a uh, socialite with going out for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise yeah but my session my rehab session every day is with the physio for two hours and then I have to do that session four times by myself throughout the rest of the day so I'm certainly not just laying around doing nothing sure is that sort of nice for you in a way to have I guess a bit more spare time than you do when you're so focused on netball to actually be able to do just the things a normal person would be doing around the house and that sort of thing it is. It's lovely. And I think, you know, my husband and I actually it feels kind of like a marriage at the moment because obviously I'm home a lot more and um, being able to give, you know, more time um, towards him. So that's, that's really nice for It's a nice feeling for us at the moment. And have you been staying immersed in, in what the Silver Ferns have got coming up and that sort of thing, speaking with Y and, and keeping in the loop? Yes, I certainly have. I get all the emails and go to all the meetings and the phone calls and also with Magic at the same time, so I'm still involved with everything. And Not that I can go and do what they do, but just so I can stay involved and feel a part of the team, I guess. Will you be attending the camps that they have in January and possibly going to Fiji just to watch? Or um, I know so far that I'm def- I'll be going to the camps and I'm, I'm highly, highly likely that I'm not going to Fiji. Damn it. But, uh, yeah, no, def- I don't think so. I won't be going to Fiji. I'll just be a, 
a waste of time. <laughs> How hard was it, um, I guess, after that injury and, and in that series to to watch the rest of those games and, and not be able to do anything? Uh, admittedly, you know, when they were singing the national anthem and things like that, that really cuts you deep um, because that's such a privilege and an honour to, you know, represent your country. And, and I did have a few tears um, sitting at home watching those matches. But also just knowing that when they were struggling, that I couldn't do anything to help them. And that's probably the hardest thing, is not being able to help. But in saying that, the way that I'm helping my team is by doing my rehab and doing what I need to do so I can get back on the court. And how do you see where they're at at the moment? Obviously, it was a, a bit of a tough year. Do you think there's enough time before the World Cup for New Zealand to bridge the gap with Australia that's there at the moment? Yeah, I, I do. And I think, you know, we're already making changes and... Um, doing things differently so we don't get the same results. Um, and I think everybody is trying so hard. There's no lack of effort there from the girls. But it's just, I guess, the execution, but also they're coming together as a group. But I certainly think we can do it. We've, we've got eight months or nine months to do that. And, you know, before Australia won the Commonwealth Games, um, you know, they had 13 losses in a row. So um, I certainly believe that we can. Would it be fair to say, given what you've got to go through and the position the team are at, that this is shaping up to be the most challenging build-up you've had to one of these world championships? Yeah, it's not the, uh, the easiest, but it's certainly I do have that, you know, the goals in, in, in sight to keep you motivated. But I've been injured a few times, and you sort of know how this feels and how things go. So uh, it'll all be worth it, you know, when I get to go to Sydney. How much, I guess, given now you've uh, been at the last two World Cups and coming up to your third one, which might be your last, how much does that motivate you going through your injury and, and your rehab trying to get back? And and how big would that make it if, if you could uh, get there and possibly win? Yeah, that would be outstanding. It would be, it'd be something that you couldn't describe, I guess, and... The journey that I'm on at the moment with my husband and with my family and, and my teammates is going to be something that I will never forget. And as you say, I am getting older. <laughs> so to top it off, you know, that would, that would be perfect. One of New Zealand's champion Paralympic swimmers, Mary Fisher, was awarded the Attitude ACC Supreme Award on Wednesday, which was World Disability Day. 21-year-old Fisher, who was training in Australia, won the Youth Award and was also a finalist in the Sports Performer of the Year category. Fisher, who is blind, won four medals in London in 2012 and this year won six gold medals at the Pan Pacific Para Swimming Championships in California. Fisher was somewhat surprised to pick up the Attitude Award, which celebrates the excellence and achievements of New Zealanders living with a disability. Oh, it was amazing and very unexpected. To I took out the the youth category, which had a couple of other um, young women who are doing just incredible things with um, mental health, and also one with uh, you know young cancer patients who are going through a similar thing to what she did um, when she was young with a rotation plasty, where uh, if you have uh, a, a tumor or anything in your thigh bone, your femur can be taken out, and you can. Uh, have kind of an amputation where they rotate the bottom part of your leg and put it up to your hip so that you still have a, a working knee joint. So it's a lot easier to have an artificial leg compared to if you had to remove the whole leg. Yeah, so um, it's been a really cool group of people to just be alongside. And, yeah, incredible to to win the, the Supreme Award. Um, it's just such a great night. And 
they live streamed me in from Noosa, which was really cool, so I could celebrate with everyone else. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so it's not necessarily a sports award. No, the one I was uh, a finalist in the sports category, which Corey Peters won. He's a sit skier and picked up a silver at uh, the Winter Paralympic Games earlier this year in Sochi. So um, I was also in the youth category, which is the one that I ended up winning. And um, yeah, I guess that's through my work with Parents of Vision Impaired, so supporting families around the Wellington region, and also stuff with Blind Foundation and Variety, the children's charity. So it's not necessarily your achievements that you're in the water, but what you are doing to uh, help or motivate others? Yeah, uh, I guess in essence that's, that's it. Um, it, was, it was really cool to be nominated in that category because I think it's important to, you know, now that I'm in the position that I can give back to others and a lot of people helped me to get what I wanted in terms of education and swimming, so... Yeah, it's it's really nice to be recognised for that, but it's so such a strange experience to to be given an award when when all the recognition you really need is to see um, a, fa- a family come to terms or you know accept that their child has uh, vision loss or a, a diagnosis of some sort, which means that their life will be different than, from what they expected. So, for yeah, so- <laughs> to get to get an award for it is quite quite strange but really humbling and nice as well. So those are experiences that you have with people around Wellington perhaps um, you know helping those to uh, uh, overcome anything and still achieve anything they want to? Well I think yeah experience is one of the best teachers out there so it's nice to use my lived experience to uh, answer any questions that parents of a newly diagnosed kid have or just to um, one of the coolest things in the last couple of years is a flatmate um, told me I live in a, a flat with six other people and one of them told me, oh, I never thought a blind person could live independently by themselves, Mary, but you've definitely shown me that they can. So it's nice to just be able to change perceptions in, in that arena as well. That's para swimmer Mary Fisher and that's ET for this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. Bye for now. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.